Hello everyone and welcome back to the Gagging Pod podcast feed. David Wiener with you once again for a special edition of the podcast as we bide the time, all two weeks that we have of our off-season between the end of the Champions League and the start of the Euros and Copa America on Op the Sport. I'm joined today by John Aloisi to go through group by group of the Euros and pick out some predictions, what we're most looking forward to, some upsets, some underdogs, just see what we're going to have in store for us from June when it all kicks off at 5am on Saturday, 12 June, when Turkey play Italy. We cannot wait for that, John. Well, we've had a massive season and we have a massive June and July coming up for us. Yeah, uh, there's not much of a break, is there? Definitely not for the players. Everyone's starting to prepare now for the uh, the tournament. It's going to be some tournament. When you think about there's at least seven, eight nations that could possibly win it, or you think they're, they're, mm. they're, they're strong enough to win it. So... Um, it's going to be hard. I know we're going to go through all the groups and see who uh, are the ones that are probably the, the uh, favourites to get through that group, but um, it's going to be a tough one to pick. Oh, it is tough, and that's what makes it so compelling. I can't remember a tournament that has had so many squads that you look at and think, this could almost be fantasy football. If you could buy these players, they'll learn of them bought in your country, so I can't wait to walk through that with you. Now, as a little disclaimer, we are recording this before all the final squads are whittled down to their final selection, so we don't know exactly yet, for example, who Gareth Southgate will leave out and oh, so he on. He leave out 10, doesn't he? Oh, good <laughs> luck with that. He's got a tough job, but um, particularly after watching the Champions League final, good luck Trent Alexander-Arnold in making that final cut after seeing some of the fullback performances today. So that's just a little disclaimer, but otherwise there is so much to get stuck into. And John, let's begin at the beginning. Let's begin with Group A, Italy, Switzerland, Turkey, and Wales, and a theme that I think we're going to say throughout the next few minutes, a competitive group. Very competitive. Um, Wales are, are a team that can hurt uh, a lot of, you know, different uh, countries, and, you know, you, you still got Gareth Bale, that uh, he's showed good form at the end of that Premier League season. We know how much he likes playing for Wales, um, and, you know, what it means to him. So, you know, you can't underestimate the, the upsets that they could cause, but uh, Switzerland are very well organised. They, they they can do well in tournaments, and um, they have in the past, and they've got some very good players, and, and, and they're just a, a tough team to play against. Turkey, have uh, they've got a good generation of players, mm. a generation that are playing at a good level, um, good good attacking team as well, and, and they've got their defensive qualities. Uh, but, you know, I'm interested to see how Italy are going to go because Mancini, um, he's won a lot of trophies in his career, first as a player, then as a manager. And they haven't really got big-name players like the Italians normally do, but they've got a very good side, a very good squad of, uh, of talented players younger players and some experienced players. Cellini's still, still in, there. Still there. Bonucci's still there. Um, but then you've got the likes of Verratti and uh, someone like that that could actually be one of their star players in this tournament. But I, I'm looking forward to seeing Chiesa because Chiesa, mm. he's burst onto the scene at Juventus. He was at Fiorentina before. I think this could be a tournament that he really breaks out for the national team. I was curious when I looked through their side a couple of weeks ago and thought, oh, they'll be a young team. Maybe they're a bit underdone for this tournament. Could be a good sort of in-between tournament for them. And a lot of their age is a lot more mature than you would expect. They're not 18 to 21. They're 22 to 24, 25. And uh, maybe the midfield is a nice example of that with Barella, uh, Jorginho, who we saw do come off a fantastic end of the season. Um, you mentioned Verratti. So they do have a team that is not completely wet behind the ears, and they're on a fantastic streak of yeah. momentum under Mancini. Yeah, they don't concede many goals. They, they win a lot of games 2-0. They're not always exciting to watch, but they get the job done um, under Mancini. And, uh, you know, you think up top, you 
you got Immobile that uh, he, he's scoring goals again with uh, Lazio. Will he's, he lead the line? You'd think that he would, but he's got Belotti that he mm. also trusts, a Torino striker. Um, you got Insigne on one side, then you have uh, you know Chiesa probably on the other side. I think that uh, they should be the ones that they're their main starters. And then at the back, they've they've got decent players. You know, you also got Florenzi that uh, did well PSG. You, you've got quite a few experienced players that. Um, that, yeah, you're right. They're not a young team waiting. Not like a Spain. With a Spain, you go, maybe they're, uh, uh, this is a tournament too early for them to win it. They're going to be good, but they might not win it. Whereas with Italy, you think, if they start to get through the group stages, which is not going to be easy to get through that group, but once they do, I don't think anyone will like to play against them. Mm, no, I'm looking forward to see them, seeing them as a bit of a joker in the pack amongst uh, the contenders and the, the big nations. And it's just good to see them back amongst it with, in a major tournament as well. So they go through, I'm gathering from your thoughts, along with... Yeah, we have to remember three teams yeah, can go through. We'll stick with two because we can't do the permutations okay. yeah, yeah, now, I suppose, yeah, yeah. but... Yeah, I'm going to go through with uh, Italy and Turkey. Yeah. I think that Turkey have got a, a side that, that can go through and uh, they've got a lot of quality players. Burak Yilmaz is coming off a big season with uh, Lille, Lille yeah. 35 years old. I know you said they've got a good generation. He probably didn't expect to be in it. But that's well, momentum if you've ever seen well, it. I didn't expect to win a title oh at that goodness. age. And uh, what a season. He, he, he probably he got them over the line, didn't he? When they sold their, their players in recent years, you thought that uh, Lille probably wouldn't be able to sustain and be up there. But um, he came in and, and scored not only a lot of goals, but important goals. Yeah, terrific. So he'll be a joker in the pack. That's a phrase I've used twice now. But I think there's going to be a bit of that through this tournament. So, yeah, as, you, as John alluded to, three teams can go through, but we're not mathematicians and, 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 and we can't do that. We'll go with the traditional two yeah. today and then uh, we'll, we'll just see what happens in the tournament as it goes on. Group B, Belgium, Denmark, Finland, Russia. An interesting group. Group, do you have Belgium uh, as your favourites as the world number one? And we have to say in light of the scenes of Kevin De Bruyne coming off yeah. in the Champions League final as well. Yeah, we're, we're not totally sure about De Bruyne's injury. If he's going to miss the Euros uh, with that injury. It looked like it, it might have been, you know, a, a eye socket injury or, or broken cheekbone, but he, he, he did look bad. He had to come off. Um, let's hope that he can because he's one of the best players in the world at the moment and uh, you would love to see him there. But what a sight they've got. Mm-hmm. All, all the players they've got, um, not only going forward, but also in the midfield. Tielemans has been outstanding for Leicester this season. Um, but then up top you've got Lukaku, who's such a beast of a player uh, under Antonio Conte at Inter Milan. He really showed what he's capable of doing. Maybe he might end up back in the Premier League um, after Antonio Conte leaving yeah. Inter. Actually, maybe that's the maybe that's the signing Chelsea will make. Uh, who knows? Yeah, wouldn't that be ironic that uh, they had him at one stage and then they let him go yeah. and, and then they have to buy him back. But uh, then, you know, De Bruyne and... Eden Hazard, uh, Eden Hazard are going to be the big uh, difference maybe for them. If if they're not playing or in top form, maybe they might fall short because of that. But if they're in form and, and playing well, those two especially, you, you can say they can go close to winning it. But without them two being at the top of their game, maybe they're just going to come up short. Uh Achilles Hill, Roberto Martinez, can he get the best out of this collection of players? And is there a question mark defensively at all? Yeah, I still think there's a question mark uh, defensively. Uh, I think Alderweire uh, is a good player, but uh, probably not one of the best defenders in the world. Um, Vertonghen's getting on a little bit now. 
so they're, they're probably the question marks. But he does play with a, a three at the back slash five at the back if he needs to actually shore things up defensively. So, But they've also got one of the best keepers in the world. So that, that, that does help them out quite a bit. They're a, they're a very well-balanced team and, and they're going to be hard for anyone, uh, especially when they're playing in the form and uh, like they were in the qualifiers. Yeah, absolutely. So an interesting group, Russia, that of course did so well at the last World Cup, but they, you know, they don't, they don't have the benefit of the, their, their home tournament this time. Finland on debut, and a good friend of the Gagan Pod will be seeing a lot of him during the Euros. Thomas Sorensen's Denmark, who I wonder if you share his sentiment that they're a dark horse. I think they t- have accumulated a really impressive team on paper. Well, if you look at their last results that they've been getting, uh, and that's not only f- uh, through the, the Euro qualifiers, the, the World Cup qualifiers that just went past. They were probably the the form team um, going around. That they, they, they play great football, getting good results. Um, you know, they've got Ericsson, That's uh, yeah, we, we know how good he can be. Um, Braithwaite. That's uh, at Barcelona. He was scoring goals for the national team. They got Paulson. That's uh, RB Leipzig. They've got a good side, but that that work well together. They're, they're, they're a hard-working team. And um, and we were uh, fortunate or unfortunate to come up against them in the last World Cup with the, the Socceroos. But um, I think they are... I actually think they'll get through this group mm. along with Belgium. Could be a smoky. Could be a smoky, uh, the, the Denmark side, and we'll have Thomas to ride that wave with us throughout the tournament. Group C, Austria, Netherlands, North Macedonia, Ukraine. Perhaps a window opportunity in this collection where Netherlands, under De Boer, not under Komen anymore, um, pressure is on them to do well out of this group. Yeah, a lot of pressure on uh, De Boer because, uh, when he, it, look, I thought Koeman had him um, playing well. They, they, they were getting good results. His experience, uh, De Boer hasn't had too much, um, he, he's had experience, but not getting great results you know he's been to a few places hasn't done so well um has he got that uh, i wouldn't say trust but the, i don't know if their players are that confident in me yet like we'll have to see how they they end up playing or how they end up going into this tournament in their uh, friendly games but they've definitely got players that can you know cause problems going forward especially so you know you, you wouldn't write them off but a lot of pressure on them to get out of this group. Yeah, momentum hasn't been great in recent times. Andrei Shevchenko, he'd have aspirations in this tournament with uh, Zinchenko is, you know, his leading star. But for a while now, they have been batting overs in terms of what you would expect uh, of them. They could cause some problems, not just in this group, but if you catch them on an off day too. Yeah, they can. And they already caused problems in the, uh, the I think it was the Euro qualifier, the World Cup qualifier against Spain. They ended up getting the win that mm. they needed. Uh, they, they defended with their lives, but uh, you know they ended up getting that 1-0 win against Spain and there was a massive upset. So they're a side that are not easy to play yeah. against. And uh, it's, it's good to see Sevchenko as uh, you know the manager, you know, legend of a player, legend of... Uh, it, of Ukrainian football, and now he's starting to do it at, uh, the, on the national team level as a manager. He sure is. Would be surprised if it's not Netherlands and Ukraine from this group? Yeah. Uh, who else is in Austria, group, North Macedonia? Yeah, I think that it'll be Netherlands and Ukraine. Yeah. Group D. Whoa, Group D. Croatia, Czech Republic, England, Scotland. I dare say that might be the, the group in Australia with the most eyes on it. Storylines every single where you look. Yeah, look... Scotland have, um, you know, they're, they're, they're a, a probably a workman-like team with some 
talented players that they are playing some of their games up in Scotland mm. as well, so that they you know they'll have that home ground advantage. Uh, and then you've got England, who probably have got probably the biggest squad to Seriously. choose from. You know, Southgate's good. he needs to drop ten players still, and and just some talent coming through. The only question I have is Southgate the right person to win them a um, a major tournament, and um, you know. He can only prove it in this tournament because they have got the mm. players. You know, I've I've shown who I think my starting eleven might be or should be or could be, um, depending how they're going into the tournament. Reese James's performance was sensational in the Champions League, so that will you know get him probably over the line and in getting into the squad. Will he start with him or Walker? Um, you know, on the other side, Chilwell and Shaw both had unbelievable seasons. Um, so in each position, they've got two or three players. You think it will be Stones and Maguire. If Maguire is fit, you, uh, you'd think that he would be there by now uh, going into the tournament. And then, then in the midfield, I think Declan Rice will be a shoo-in. If he plays with uh, one defensive midfield, I think it will be Declan Rice. Even if he plays with two, he'll be one of the two. And then um, Mount... Must be. Must be. I think he has to be in the starting 11. It just depends where he wants to put him. But you think in that eight position. And the other side is if Henderson is fit... He will probably go with Henderson because he'll give him that drive, that experience, that uh, that energy that they they require in the midfield. He, he can get up, he can get back, but if they don't go with him, you know, I, I would like to see Bellingham play uh, a big part in this tournament. I, I think he's ready, and you know, it, it sounds stupid to say he's only seventeen mm. years old and is he ready? Well, he showed it in the Bundesliga. He showed it in the big games in the Bundesliga, in the cup in in uh, Germany, and they won with Dortmund. But he also showed it against Man City in the Champions League. So, you know, I don't think that he would be afraid or he would play with any sort of fear if he goes uh, and and gets you know quite a bit of game time. And then up top, he can pick so many: Sancho, you know, Rashford. He can pick Foden, he can pick, and then up there as a nine, Kane will start yep, as the central pick, nine. Yeah. Um, so, uh, you know, Sterling probably hasn't had the best of seasons, but we know Southgate likes him a lot. So there, there, there's, he's got the Grealish still, with, you know, who, who does he start with? But uh, I don't know, but he's, he's spoilt for choice, that's for sure. So what's, in recent years, obviously England with has have had many talented generations come to these tournaments. What's let them down? I guess there have been always question marks around the goalkeeper, which they're probably still are here in this tournament as well and then just that tournament situation that tournament mentality why is this one going to be different for England or not I think that it could be different because a lot of these players now have played in big games and in, in, um, in finals of tournaments and uh, you know what we say you know the final uh, Chelsea just won and, and you know Manchester City players Walker, Stones um, and and Foden were all involved in that starting eleven, and uh, you know, and Chelsea on the other side with uh, all their players. So uh, I, I think that does help, and that could get them over the line. We know Harry Kane's been around for a, for a long time. They made the semi final the last World Cup, so the, I, I think that experience will help them. Uh, it just depends how. Um, if you know, and playing at home is a big advantage. Mm. And, and, you know, not all the games are going to be at home at Wembley, but. You know, quite a few of them are. Yeah. And, and I think that could help them over the line in those tight games. So the the only thing, like I mentioned, that probably could, uh, you know, uh, get in their way is Southgate. Now, uh, he's still 
uh, I would say, relatively inexperienced in terms of winning major trophies. He hasn't been, you know, at club level, one of those managers that's won a lot of trophies. So that, that's the only thing I think can stand in their way. Is that in the, in the sense as well that uh, the conviction, like we've seen Mountain Foden have such wonderful seasons, but is he the type of manager that you worry that he might not, not he might have to pick both of them, but he might put the leash on some other selections. Like we, we might see a conservative other player up top, or he might just be more conservative in, in the way he lays things out. Is that is that your bigger fear oh, for them? No, not really. I, I, I don't think that the can. The only way he can go really conservative, well, conservative, if he goes uh, with a three to five at the back, and and then go, you know, what well, I'm not picking as many attacking yeah. players. That that's the only way that I think that that will be a little bit. Oh, you've got so many attacking players, you have to play them all because uh, your side, you're playing at home, you're the one that are going to be on the front foot. Um, but you know it, he might look at it another way. I just want to make sure that we're we're solid and and with our quality we'll catch teams out. But I would like to see him play the other way with the amount of attacking players they have. You want them all in there. They're not every single one, but a, a majority of them. So the thing though is this is a tough group. Czech Republic, yeah. Croatia. These they're going to get tested from day dot. Um, have the Cro- Croatia are two years or three years on now from that. So close, so far experience. Um, is this generation still got legs in them to repeat that? Yeah, I still think so. Modric has shown that uh, he still can, you know, play at that level. Yeah, at Real Madrid, he had another outstanding season. You've got Kovacic yeah, that, that's in there in the midfield as well. Um, I, I think they, that Croatia, along with England, will get through this group. I know that the other two nations will be tough, but I think they'll be the two that will get through. How far Croatia can go, then I'm not 100% sure, but they'll get through this group. Still a wonderful list of midfield players in that Croatia team. It's to die for, and that'll be one heck of a contest too. They've got a great rivalry in recent years as well, so we can't wait for that one, and I think that's a very tasty 11pm kickoff, if I'm not mistaken as well, so I cannot wait for that one. This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad, and I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive and June. Olive and June gives you everything that you need for a salon-quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive and June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive and June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. Group E, I think you'll be excited about this group because it's got Spain in it, Sweden, Slovakia and Poland. Luis Enrique has only picked 24 players. You can pick 26, but that's not enough to get Sergio Ramos a ticket there. Is this going to be a Raul-type call from 2008 or is it going to backfire? I don't think it will backfire. Knowing Luis Enrique, Luis Enrique, he's very strong in his way of doing things. He doesn't care what people think. He doesn't care what the media think. He um, He's very clear in what he wants. And the reason why he picked 20, uh, 24 instead of 26, he said, I've still got up to the last day to add two players to my squad if a couple get injured or if I feel that we're a little bit short. He said, in that training 
two, three weeks leading into the tournament, I only want to work with 24 players. If I work with 26, it's too many and, and a couple of them have to stay on the outer and it doesn't, it, it doesn't, he doesn't feel comfortable. And you see that even with Pep Guardiola, he likes a certain amount of players to work with during the, the season. He doesn't like massive squads. And, um, and so I can understand where he's coming from. Big call about Ramos. I think the correct call uh, I think it is a very uh, similar call to the Raul one back in, I think it was 2008. So by that I mean in terms of it's his dressing room now. Is that what you, you, you're thinking uh, that as well? You know, it's not only his dressing room. I think um, Aragonés back then thought that Raul might not be a certain starter, but he's so powerful in the dressing room that then that can be disruptive within the group. Um, you know, was he good enough to probably make the squad role? Yes, but he wasn't going to be a certain starter because he had, you know, the, the Fernando Torres coming through, had David Villa. They were going to be his starters. So he, he thought, well, you know what? I'll take away that side that I don't need that issue in the changing room because you need, you, you, you're living on top of each other for mm. three, four, five weeks. And um, if there's a bit of disharmony, and we've seen it with France in the past, even with the Dutch national team in the past, if there's disharmony, it can affect your chances going deep into a tournament. So I think that's what Luis Enrique did. He, he took all the doubt. Ramos hasn't been 100% fit this season, hasn't played on a regular basis. I'm not even going to risk him coming, not playing, but still having that sort of shadow in the background for a Paul Torres or, mm. or, or a Llorente mm. or, or Laporte. Yeah, so it's it's one of those ones I, I, I can see why he's made that decision. Not picking any Real Madrid players. Wow. Um, it has not gone down too well uh, in Spain because they think that because he was an ex-Barcelona coach. But who's, who's realistically, because Gavajal's also injured, who, who are the stiffest in that, Nacho, probably. N- Nacho. I think Nacho's the only one that could probably stake a claim. Asensio actually did well this season, but towards the end wasn't playing much. Mm. Uh, I think they're the two. Uh, I, I think they're the only two. Carvajal would have made it. Mm. I think he would have been one of the first choices uh, for um, Luis Enrique. And Luis Enrique, he doesn't go off of who they played for or, or what, what they've done. He had a little bit of a falling out at the end of his reign at Barcelona with Jordi Alba. Who did he pick? Mm. Jordi Alba, because he played. He had a good season. So they're the two, Jordi Alba and Sergio Busquets are the two survivors of the golden age. So you mentioned earlier that maybe Spain, you know, they ha- they are put some younger players. Is this squad ready to contend? Are we saw what they did to Germany? I think they are. I think where they struggle at times is when teams really sit off of them. And, and sometimes they struggle to break them down. And they might in this group. Yeah, all of them will, will, will sit off them. If they get through the group, I actually think they could go a long way because most of the teams that they'll end up meeting end up thinking they're mm. just as good. Like Germany did against them. Germany pressed them. Germany tried to play against them. And Spain just went bang, 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 play through lines, down the other end, goal. And they ended up winning 6-0. I'm really excited about some of these players for Spain. Pedri, who um, he was brilliant this year for Barcelona. He's only 18 years old. you got uh, Thiago that started to find form towards uh, the back end for Liverpool. You know, he's still there. you got Coque. Um, you got Fabian, the, the Napoli midfielder who 
it, with the national teams perform well. Then up top, you've got Danny Almo, uh, Danny Almo at uh, RB Leipzig. That he's finding goals, uh, not only at club level, but international level. You've got Ferran Torres. That he's, he's a natural. He steps up for Spain yeah, all the time, does. doesn't he? Yeah, he does. The way that Luis Enrique gets him to play, he's got Traore in the squad yeah, you know, for something different. Um, and then Gerard Moreno scored a lot of goals this season. That um, Morata always seems to perform for Spain. I, I think that they've got a squad that can really, and, and, a, and a starting 11 side, if Luis Enrique gets them firing on all cylinders, oh, they're going to be exciting to watch and dangerous to play against. Well, I can tell just from, from uh, your 23-minute podcast on Spain, you're absolutely <laughs> excited about them. No, I, I actually love Spain. I love Spain. Going back to that 2008 squad, which... Um, just I was in awe of them, and it, it'd be, gr- be great to see them hit their highs because I think they've wasted three tournaments since their last yeah. triumph in 2012. So Slovakia, Lewandowski's Poland, no Zlatan Ibrahimovic for Sweden. So who pushes them the most in this group? Uh, I think it's between Poland and Sweden um, because Sweden is always a tough team to play against. They, they, they always seem to be able to get the job done. They've got you know quality players, of course, but they're, they're a team that work well together, well organised. Um, but I'd like to see Poland do well uh, because of the Lewandowski factor. I'd like to see him have a really good tournament and score a lot of goals because then he might have a chance of winning the Ballon d'Or as well. well. By the way, before we get on to the group of all groups in Group F, Lewandowski right now, thanks to his record-breaking season in Germany, is probably the standout candidate for the Ballon d'Or because Kevin De Bruyne, I thought if he could have dominated the Champions League final stage and maybe have a good tournament with Belgium, that he would influence things. This tournament is a chance for a player to almost say that that, that title's mine this year. Is it that player maybe going to come from the next group we're going to talk about? Uh, yes, Probably, <laughs> uh, if we're going to talk about France, uh, a Germany group, and uh, I, I think they could come from that group. Not, not, not that it's going to be a German player, but more likely be a French player. But I, I actually think that um, you're right. If, but if Lewandowski does have a good tournament, um, y- you never know. He might get it. Mm, interesting. Well, I reference Group F. France, Germany, Portugal, and Hungary... That's why I still, hey, they're an entertaining team, yeah. but my goodness, what a draw they have oh, got. I feel sorry for them. This they, draw is ridiculous. The, the only thing that can help them, Dave, is that they're playing some games in, in Hungary, full stadiums. Uh, and this is a good moment for Hungarian football, actually. Yeah. They've got some bright young players, yeah. but my goodness, this is a stage for them against the reigning, what do we got here? We've got the world champions, the world champions before them, and the reigning European champions yeah. all in one group. Yeah. So where do you start picking the bones out of this one? Well, first of all, if there's going to be three teams qualifying in out of any group, I hope it's this group yeah. because uh, you want to see all three teams go into the knockout uh, phase of the tournament. Um, but you know, look, I had to do uh, you know have a, a really good look at all three of these squads and the names and the potential players that could be in the starting eleven, and I struggled to actually put um, forty plays down for France. They've got an unbelievable uh, squad, but the depth they got in the central defensive uh, is is incredible. Just recently, Konate signed for Liverpool. Mm. Um, you know, you've got the likes of him up in Meccano that just signed for Bayern Munich. They're not going to start. It's going to be Varane and uh, and Kimpembe in the central pairing, and then you've you've also you've got uh, Umtiti, you've got uh, Lenglet, you've got. This is just I'm just talking about the Kunde. No wonder Laporte decided to just remind himself that he was Spanish. Oh, yeah. 
<laughs> it's incredible. And then uh, you know you got uh, Hernandez, you got Pavard. Uh, that that probably will be the starting fullbacks. Yeah, and and in goal, Lloris, uh, you know, he's experienced and the, the the captain of the side. And in midfield, you got Kante and Pogba. Kante could be the one that you're talking about. Might be why not the Ballon d'Or winner because he's won everything. He's won Champions League. Uh, he's always seems to be the standout player or even one of the players of the tournament whenever he plays. So um, he's one that, you know, you keep a good eye on. And I just love it that Deschamps swallowed his pride. The French National Federation swallowed their mm. pride and picked Benzema because I, I think that Benzema it deserves to be at a major tournament, um, deserves to to play again for France. And, and the, not only this season, but the last few seasons when Ronaldo left, he really went to another level. So I think that their front line, along with Mbappe, Mbappe is another one that will be like pushing to see maybe a Ballon d'Or winner if he has a you know breakthrough tournament and scores a lot of goals, uh, and then Coman on another side, Griezmann. They've just got names galore, haven't they? Is there the possibility that Benzema does ruffle with the dynamic? I know that he's a big personality, and we're we're in the outside in, so we won't we won't talk about the the off field aspect of it. Tactically, is there? Any risk that it might upset the apple cart, or does it actually take them to a unbelievable next level? I think it take them to another level. Uh, I think that uh, it, it's funny because the photos are coming out of the French training camp, and it's all like Benzema smiling, having a photo with the champ. <laughs> Benzema smiling. Giroud's not there Giroud's yet. not there, of He's course. not there yet. So uh, it'll be interesting to see when Giroud finally makes his way in and you've got the Ferrari, the Formula <laughs> One, and the actual go-kart up against each other in training, um, that how it's going to go down. But look, I, I think that Deschamps, he's a, he's a very good manager of a group. He, he won a lot as a player, being a captain of a team. So he understands the dynamic of a dressing room. And I think he'll understand how to deal with this situation with with France. And uh, and, and I don't think it will, it will upset their group at all. Well, he's looking to become the first person to do the double as a player and a manager. That is a just unfathomable achievement to do that. And and no one really talks about him as being, yeah, you know... He's uh, the old water carrier. Uh, yeah. <laughs> It's it, as a player and even as a manager, no one really puts him down as being this top manager or this top player. But he's won everything. Yeah, amazing stuff. So look, big group, amazing matches to start with. Let's go to Portugal next because if you're talking about a group that is an embarrassment of riches, it is Portugal from back to front. But there's a bit to sort out because they've got players that are personalities, talisman for each of their clubs. How difficult is that going to be to assemble? Do you see that this being fantasy football or are there still going to be some teething issues for the Portuguese who still have Ronaldo as the focal point of their of everything? Ronaldo will be the focal point. Uh, again, I think that uh, Santos is smart enough to understand he's the big star, everyone underneath him. And, and, and the players won't mind that. The players actually understand that. And so what I mean, because when you go at Manchester United, Fernandes is the main the main man in that side. He's the one that will deliver uh, when they most need it or they will hopefully have him delivering when they most need it. They know with the Portuguese national team, it, it, it's Ronaldo. So our, our style of play and our way we're going to play, it will have to fit Ronaldo's uh, way of playing or the way he, he's able to play now. And then around that, you'll have your Jotas, you'll have your uh, Bernardo Silvers and, you know, Oliveira's, uh, uh, the, the Porto players, João Felix, and, you know, they've they got Danilo sitting in the midfield. Then, then at the back, they've got probably the in-form 
best defender in the world at the moment in Ruben Diaz. Um, Cancelo, who's had a great season. They, they've got a side as well. On paper, they're probably one of the sides that you go... Just an embarrassment of riches along with France. And they're better than the team that actually won the, t- the title, no? Yeah, yeah, I would say. I would say the younger players, probably Ronaldo is not in, in the same sort of physical form that he was there when they won the title, but uh, they ended up winning it without Ronaldo in the mm. final, really, they didn't did. they, when they he did. had to go off? So is there anything left in Jurgulo's, uh German side. We know Hansi Flick's coming maybe one tournament too late. He takes over after the Euros. He swallowed his pride. Speaking of, uh, you know, what Deschamps did with Müller and Hummels, is that enough to sort of reset things for this German side? Which when, for all the problems they've been having, John, you look at the team on paper and go, my goodness, if Jürgen Lowe fails with this, my goodness. Yeah, I, I look at their, look, Hummels it will add experience, of course, and that will um, will help him a lot at the back. I still think they they got defensive frailties. And that showed, the, uh, especially against Spain. That's why they brought him back in. Muller is, is is great, just the drive that he gives them, the experience that he gives them. But then, you know, I was looking at the midfield and you go, who, who starts in the midfield? You've got Kimmich, who was sensational again for Bayern Munich this season. You've got... Uh, um, Tony Gore- Cruz. Tony Cruz, again for Real Madrid, he stood up. Goretzka, uh, you, you know, you, you've Gundogan. got Gundogan, who was probably Manchester City's best player, especially for a long period. Havertz. Yeah, so he's got he, he's got a side and a half that could actually you know, really cause not only a lot of problems, but why can't they go all the way? Well, speaking of problems, that's the midfield. What about, you know, you've got an attack that I know Werner, you know, people say what they want about him, but he will still cause problems. He's a big fish in the German side. Lerosan, yep. uh, Gnabry, yep. uh, Muller's back in the mix now. Yeah. They they got pace, haven't they? Going forward, that that's one thing they've got. Um, so if they do have to like sort of catch teams on the counter or in transition, they can really hurt you. But they also can actually play a certain style of football to dominate possession with the players they have too. Like I said, the only thing that probably can hold them back, I still think at the back they have a little mm. bit of uh, well, they've got frailties. Yeah, it might be their case of their games. They score three, you score four, or that kind of thing. And it's with that group, it's not impossible. Yeah. So we've talked ourselves into about seven champions here. So to conclude our, our podcast, where are you thinking? What are you thinking from fire, from from top dog down? Um, where, where where have you settled uh, on this galaxy of of amazing teams? Uh, I still think France are favourites. Uh, the reason why I say that, not only their side and their squad, that they just won a major tournament recently, so they know how to win. And, these, and it's these group of players. And uh, and normally when a side of Spain won it in 2008, then 2010, and then 2012. Mm. So when you've got a good group of players, a core group that have already won something, normally they go win two, maybe three. And I think this French team can do that. And, uh, and it's with the same manager that knows how to win. What about beyond them? Who's the chasing pack? Well, I think we just mentioned mm. there's about six, seven, you know, there, there, there will be uh, definitely a Portugal, uh, an England, um, you know, then you don't know with a Germany, with a Spain, with an Italy, but they're, they're, they're probably the chasing pack that uh, you think that uh, if they are lucky, because you need a little bit of luck in tournaments, you need a bit of luck to go all the way. If they have that little bit of luck, any of those teams can go ahead and win it. So I've put you out there in the past with the, John Eloisi power rankings. I won't make you go that far unless you want to, but if you can, if you've put your crystal ball hat on for the predictions, 
we don't know which way the draws are going to go, of course, and all that kind of stuff. But if you have to pick a, a, a top four big guns, a semi-finalist in, 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 in Whittle It Down, and I guess you can look at that in terms of expectation. Who, yeah. who are the teams that, that must make the final four? Who, who are they? Well, I think that if England don't make the final four, it's a failure. Um, that's also because they're playing at home and the squad they've got. So that, that that's uh, France the same. France, England. Yep. Yeah, they, they definitely, if they don't make it, it's a failure. Then the others, look, I, I think that if, you know, a Belgium make it, they're expected to go deep into the tournament. But uh, if they don't make it to the final four, is it a failure? You know, that depends on Hazard and depends mm. on De Bruyne. So. It is their golden generation. Yeah. Uh, you know, they'll, they'll want to cash in now. Yeah. yeah. So then, then, you know, I think that if Spain get there, I think it's a it's a positive. I, I don't think they're expected to win the tournament. Um, if uh, Portugal, if they don't make the semis, will be looked on as a as a failure. Uh, Italy would probably not be looked on as a failure, but you know, knowing what the Italians like, they, they'll want change and want. Okay, <laughs> then we need to we need to get rid of these older generation players and just bring some more young players in. Um, so yeah, I, I would say that you know. In, in, I can't remember if I've missed a, a nation because there, there's so many good ones. But you know, I, I think they're they're probably and Germany. I think if Germany don't make the semis, that is a failure. Yeah, because that will be two major tournaments in a row that they haven't gone there. So my maths isn't great, but by that list, there will be a couple of failures. Has to be. There will be some countries right, yeah. there that will be going absolutely bonkers yeah. uh, with their side afterwards. The only positive is say the Germans, they know that afterwards it's Hansi Flick's coming in to uh, add his touch to the, to the side. John, you've got me very excited for the Euros, and that's just a little taste of what we'll be talking about in the coming weeks. And the beauty is, as you said... If you can predict it with any confidence, you're lying because anything can happen over the next little while. Is there a player you're most looking forward to, by the way, whether it's an established star kicking on for the Ballon d'Or or someone who's going to make the, their mark on this tournament? Yeah, I'm looking forward to seeing if Mbappe can make a real mark on the tournament because I think now, even though he made a mark in the, in the World Cup, I think now it's his time mm. to actually really go to another level. Um, you know, we all we talk about Kante and that, that, that. I'm sure he will make a mark, but um, I think... Mbappe is my player. I think that it's his tournament to really come of age and go, I'm here. I'm the one that can win it for France. And he is more than capable of doing that. Thanks so much for your time today. We cannot wait for the month ahead. As I said, June 12, it all kicks off uh, with Italy against Turkey. Then from there, you've got your smorgasbord of Euros and Copper America to keep you very busy. Wall-to-wall shows, of course, each night and each morning. Podcasts, articles, mini-matches, highlights, Good luck doing anything else besides watching football if you love football over the next couple of weeks. As ever, we'll be back daily with the daily edition of the Gagan Pod. For you to, if you need to listen to anything on your ride home from work or on your run or whatever else, if that's the way you love to commute, um, consume your football content, and there will be a lot of it. So as ever, until we join you for the Euros, see you then. And until then, enjoy your football.